The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Joining us to do the week trending is Sinead O'Carroll, the editor of the journal.ie and Mick Clifford, special correspondent with the Irish Examiner. And Mick, I'm going to start with you because tell us about the story that your colleague Elaine Lachlan had, an interview with the returning Justice Minister Helen McEntee after she came back from maternity leave. What did she have to say about her colleague's attitude and reaction to her maternity leave? Yeah, Matt, this is very interesting. Um, Helen McEntee, as you said, she, she admitted to Elaine Lachlan in the examiner, that some of her Fine Gael colleagues didn't approve of her taking maternity leave. Um, and she, according to the, the, the piece, it says, um, in the context, over the weekend, that in the context of a future leadership race, Miss McEntee's position within Fine Gael had slipped due to her being on maternity leave. Now, if that's the case, Fine Gael are in bigger trouble than I would have thought that in this day and age, the idea that uh, a female politician would not go on maternity leave or that it would affect her standing within the party. I think it beggars belief, to be honest with you. What do you make of it, Sinead Carl? Yeah, it'd be the same. Now, she, did go, she does go on to clarify that most of her colleagues, and indeed the Taoiseach was, uh, were very supportive. And she said she, she couldn't stress that enough. But I think even that she has the vibe that she wasn't fully supported by everybody in her own party, um, that is a problem. Because I would have hoped that we'd get to the point there that we'd see more male politicians taking parental leave and parents leave in the, in the, the coming um, months and years but if we're still seeing women uh, not feeling quite entitled to, to their actual legal entitlements then we're, we're further off than I thought. But is this a case that politics showing what happens in other forms of life that when you're out of sight you tend to go out of mind when it comes to potential promotions, leadership positions. I think so and I think that's what women have said uh, since we've been working and having babies that these are some of the problems and, and one method of maybe equalising that is to to have men participate in that family life in the same way and, and taking more paternity leave and, and taking more parents leave because if you think about it particularly the generation who are having babies now they're going to be working for, you know, up to 50 years. Most people are only having two babies. So you're talking about either a year if you take six months or you're talking two years if you're taking a year each time out of 50 years. There's an incredibly small amount of time out of your entire career. So the idea that you should fall so drastically behind even in promotional terms in, or in monetary terms is crazy. Like it's, it should only be those years because after that it should equalise. After that man, man and woman should be should be equal in terms of the caring duties. And, and apart from that even Matt, I would have thought politics there are differences as well to the extent, for example, if somebody were to lose their seat in an election, say somebody who's relatively young, and then uh, come back and retain the seat three, four, okay, even five and outside years later, does that mean it would uh, affect their chances of leadership or whatever further down the line? I, I wouldn't have thought so. And similarly, if Helen McEntee is the stuff that's required to be leader, I don't think this, this will have any impact at all. But the point that she certainly perceives that some people feel that, I think is um, it's, it's, it's showing those who she's talking about to be behind the curve in terms of where we're at at the moment. 
And you'd love to ask these people, okay, what do you think the options were? Would you have liked her to have a baby and then come back after two weeks, three weeks, four weeks? Like what what, what line would they like to put on it? Or would they not like her to have had a baby at all? Or would they just not like her to exist in politics? Yeah, they want only men to exist in politics. And you'd like them to, they're the three options. Like which of those three are the ones you're and, talking and, about? And some of them would probably suggest, I'd say that we should go back to the days when people ate their dinner in the middle of the day. Yeah, so they're probably punting for option three there, I would imagine. So, Mick, you see, I'm going to try your hospital pass here because I can't think of an example and it's probably unfair to ask you. But after what Sinead brought up, can you think of an Irish male politician who has taken parental leave? I may be wrong here, but did Simon Harris take a bit when when his uh, wife gave birth? He definitely took his two weeks paternity entitlement for sure. And I think he, like, I'm... He, I, he was definitely very vocal about it and I'm not sure if any others have been as vocal. Yeah, the thing, the thing there, Matt, I suppose, is that in terms of track record, there mightn't be that much for two reasons. First of all, the underrepresentation of women in politics in this country, probably in, in, in most countries, and also the underrepresentation of younger people in um, in most countries. I mean, as I say, Simon Harris, I don't know if any other male, for instance, in, in this cabinet... Um, if they, they, their uh, wives are part of In, in fairness, to me, I have to say, I'm just thinking now, a lot of the Fine Gael TDs who were saying they would not contest the next general election are citing family issues. And you would suspect that they're not just saying that, that they are being truthful, that the amount of time that they're away from home from young children and their partners has become an issue for many of them. I'd say it is an issue, Matt, um, I would question whether perhaps it's the primary issue. Uh, oh, don't be so cynical. Uh, <laughs> well, let me put they're it this way Because yes, they fear they're going to lose their seats and they're now hiding behind their families. Or, or the fact that their career has not advanced as they thought it would or should. I'm not saying it, you, you can throw them all into the mix, but there's no doubt, look, in more, in more general terms, people are after a greater balance in their lives one way or the other. And whatever we say about politicians, and we can criticise and often do politicians for a lot of things, there is absolutely no doubt they really put in the hours. You can quibble over what they do with the hours, but they actually do put in an awful lot of hours into the job. Okay. A listener says, this is the reality of the situation. You get passed over for lots of opportunities because of maternity leave. I reject the beggar's belief statement. It's the reality of what most women experience with every pregnancy. Sinead, you've had maternity leave quite recently. and How do you find going back to work having been off for a period of time? Well, I was in an incredibly lucky, privileged position. So I, I probably am speaking for the tiny, tiny majority of minority of women who've had this experience. My husband was able to take three months uh, leave when I went back um, to work. So my back to work experience, I think, was vastly different to um, many, many women I speak with. And, and the difference it, it gave to me was I was able to go to work in the morning and come back in the evening and not have other ancillary worries I just had to get myself to my job and work and work as well as I could and get back and my child was taken care of by her other parent and you know the the domestic 
side of life was also taken care of. And we also just didn't have that emotional um, reaction to going back to work because of childcare and creche having to come into play because we had a little buffer. So that didn't come into play for three months. So, you know, in an ideal world, I would advocate that for that for everybody because it did just make life so much easier. But obviously, like I said, we I know how incredibly lucky, lucky I am that that was how I was facilitated. So, yeah, my I don't think I have a, an every woman experience that I wouldn't claim to have had. Let's move on. Mick, I'm going to ask you this question again, maybe a bit unfairly, but I know you're an avid cyclist. You cycle everywhere. Where do you store your bike when you get home? <laughs> avid, I love that word, Matt. Yeah, it's as, it's as much as needs. Bus, you try driving around or Dublin or whatever. Where I store my bike is, yes, and this is in the context of what we're dealing with here. Unfortunately, I have to drag the bike through the house. I live in a terrace house. So I have to drag the bike through the house. The odd night, I'd leave it out locked outside the front, locked to a railing and get up in the morning and peek out the window and hope it's still there. But in general terms I have to drag it through the house unfortunately which is not ideal and which And there's a reason why I've asked you this question because there's a story that the Dublin Enquirer ran which I thought was a really interesting one because it's told of how somebody who put a permanent structure in place, a very I thought quite attractive looking permanent structure to house four bicycles for members of the house was told by the council to get rid of it. Absolutely, and I think, and the reason the council said was it wasn't in keeping with the architecture. But I mean, to me, again, this is an element of planning being behind the curve in terms of the kind of rules that are, are used here. We're constantly told drive less, use public transport, cycle, walk. Here's a scenario, and as you said, it, it doesn't look intrusive whatsoever, but purely on the basis that they're dealing with a uh, um, was a preserved structure, structure that's dating from the 19th century. On that basis, the, the council told them they could not retain it. Yet the council had no problem putting a, um, a bike rack in front of one of their own buildings that they own and that they operate offices out of. It certainly is uh, sauce for the goose and sauce for the gander in one way, no question about that. It's one of these because like things that gives you a headache when you look at it. You're like, how is there so little joined up thinking? There are probably so many people in the council doing so much work to try and get people to cycle and to try and make the city more cyclist friendly. Whereas at the, in the same entity, there are people who... I can understand, okay, the planning enforcement has to be done. But in this instance, she then asked, okay, sorry, I didn't ask for the planning when I should have, but now can I have the planning? And they said no. <laughs> So in that instance, you would think, okay, maybe she did the the first thing wrong. But on the second, on the ask, okay, she put it in properly. The structure itself is, yeah. you know, be, below eye line. They were going to landscape around it. And, and the Dublin Choir had a second story where another woman had a, a bike uh, storage installed in the front of her house. That's that storage was a lot higher. It was like a tall shed. And you can understand why maybe neighbours would have taken an issue with that if it was encroaching on their light into their sitting room or whatever. Um, But this seems completely different to that. So it's just a little bit more common sense and a little bit more joined up thinking would be amazing. And and the issue with retention planning permission, there are often scenarios, and I've come across them in my work at various points, where when people apply for retention, they get it. And sometimes it suggests on a bit of a dodgy basis on the basis that the council seemed to look at it and say look to be an awful lot to ask them to take it down and yet it seems simply because it would not be a major job to take this down despite the, 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 the as Sinead was laying out the, the reasons it should be there they, they, they came in with the to use an unfortunate phrase that was used this week in the doll with the jackboot to deal with the issue <laughs> 
Okay, we need to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about bicycle racks on the streets and also about the public's interest in a giant super yacht moored off the coast of Dunleary. That and more in the week trending with Michael Clifford and Sinead O'Carroll after this. We've been joined by Mick Clifford, Special Correspondent at the Irish Examiner, and by Sinead O'Carroll, Editor of the Journal.ie. And Sinead, we've been talking about bike storage in your own front garden and what the Council will allow you to do. But what about bike storage on the streets and bike racks? Because if we give out a lot of the time that we don't have enough of them, why has there been a protest and a backlash about their installation on Parliament Street in Dublin? This kind of goes to what I was saying before the break as well about joined up thinking. So this actually uh, looks in some ways to be uh, putting two uh, requests from Dublin City uh, residents uh, in uh, clashing, clashing with each other. So people were angry. So outside Street 66 on Parliament Street, there is a loading bay that was being used um, in the evening time as outdoor seating for uh, for the bar. And... Um, Dublin City Council then there was uh, kind of an over and back between the council and the, and the owners of the bar they wanted to keep the outdoor seating the council had said no and then um, all of a sudden a bike rack went up and I think the council were saying this was the reason that they didn't want uh, the loading bay used um, for outdoor seating they were going to put a bike rack but now you have no loading bay and a bike rack so you know I think most kind of sound minded people would think well you should put a bike rack in parking spaces rather than in a space that is used for restaurants and businesses to get their loading, uh, their uh, deliveries loaded and then can double up in the evening time as uh, outdoor space. So, um, yeah, it's it's one that a lot of, I've seen a lot of cyclists, even though, yes, they do want more places to put their bikes, have come out in, in defence of Street 66 saying, you know, it shouldn't be one nice thing or another. We should be able to have all the nice things um, but I guess a lot of drivers listening to me uh, and I am one would say well my car is a nice thing and I want my parking spot and I want to be able to still drive in the city so I think we have a long way to go to figure out our, uh, how to balance all of these things Because Mick I'd imagine for a lot of people extra bike racks are what they're looking for I'm sure as a cyclist you must find it difficult to find places to leave your bike where you feel that it's going to be safe uh, No Matt I don't <laughs> I I tie it up against any old pole I can find, but I suppose. Yeah, he's but just I mean, making it sound like he, his bike is not worth stealing. Bike yeah. thieves out there, it is not I worth actually, stealing. Yeah, I've I, seen I, it, I, and it's not. I'm, I'm, I have a confession to make. About seven or eight years ago, outside this very building, I had a bike store, and, <laughs> and it was on a bike rack. But I mean, yeah, in fairness, I have to say that the 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 quantity of bike racks has definitely improved around the city. No doubt about that, you know. But this does seem to be a case of crazy situation. I'll together why they have to put one in there when you're trying to facilitate outdoor dining in that in the current environment it doesn't make any sense on the Irish Times website I think the most read story for a couple of days this week was about a 300 million euro super yacht moored off the Dunleary coast what do you get for 300 million euro yeah, and who gets it is Nancy Walton Laurie, who's apparently the heiress to the Walmart empire. Uh, its interiors are known for their lavish style, which includes marble and stone fittings and custom made silk carpets. That's one I must try on. Silk carpets. <laughs> I haven't heard of that one before. Um, 
You yeah, have to have bare feet for that. It's a bit like that episode of Succession where they were told everyone had to remove their footwear because they had uh, newly waxed floors on deck and you weren't allowed to have any footwear on. Yeah, unlike most of us, you have to remove the footwear when the floors are washed. Yeah. Like, that's the extent of Matt, it. you'd know you, you haven't watched reality TV show uh, Below Deck because you'd know they have, have to take their shoes off. <laughs> I have, actually, as it happens. And not by choice. It's sort of been forced by the fact that it's on. Oh, but yeah, I, I am yeah, aware yeah. of it, yes, yeah. <laughs> But it's, um, yeah, I mean, you know, spending money and that kind of thing, you just have to wonder if you're nothing better to be doing with it. I know. And it's I a bit obscene, Sinead, isn't it? 300 million euro on a yacht. And I saw that local politicians were defending these yachts and others coming in to, on the fact that these people then spent money in the local town. I think this is why it got so much attention, because when you hear something costs 300 million, you want to see it and you want to see why it costs 300 million. And then you feel a bit sick and then you feel like you should think about all the things that 300 million could do more usefully in, in the world. Um, and then it, you obviously get into a debate really quickly about, you know, it, it, the people who are defending it will say, you know, it employs a lot of people. Um, it also creates um, wealth in the places it stops off on, whatever, whatever. So I think that's why it has kind of created this interest in it. Um, but I think mostly is because it is an incredibly impressive looking structure. And I think people will look at it in two ways. They'll look at it and think it's impressive and be... Uh, genuinely impressed with it or they'll look at it and think it's impressive and then be turned off by that by by the obscenity of it and by the fact that it has you know more uh, facilities than a lot of rural uh, or indeed urban towns and villages in Ireland you know an indoor beach club a steam room a cinema a sauna a swimming pool 16 cabins enough uh, room to sleep 45 crew and 30 guests you know it is it, people should look it up online it, you can't imagine it, this all being in like one yacht um, and there was a second yacht that visited Dublin in recent weeks but a lot more modest according to Tim O'Brien in the Irish Times it was only 80 million worth 80 million not How's that all? Million. yeah 80 million you know you turn your nose okay, up a lot of comments <laughs> coming in relation to paternity leave one says as a dad in a single income household I have to say parental leave is a joke and not something we can consider at all because it means you still get paid normal wages uh, but parental leave means social welfare only support financially completely insufficient for our circumstances as from Seamus another one says paternity leave for fathers is not an option for most as if you have a mortgage of anything above a thousand euro how would you pay that on the social welfare rates that are actually offered yeah, that's so, com completely that's fair, and and that is and uh, that is the thing. And when the government talk about doing things uh, for it, you know, they make a big deal of it. But if it is only two hundred and fifty euro a week, that it's just not possible for uh, families to to afford to come off for any length of time um, on that. And and most companies um, that top up maternity leave won't top up uh, parental leave in the same way. So um, and it would be very difficult to ask, particularly smaller companies. Bigger companies are doing it a lot more now, and American companies are doing it a lot more um, but smaller companies just won't be able to in a lot of instances so it will have to be on the state to kind of do more and you know there's two options you either provide a lot more national childcare and a lot more uh, childcare uh, facilities at, and, and, and have them well run and well, pay, well paid for by the state or you offer families more um, help with the logistics of childcare so that you know both parents um, can help out or can do it in, in, in various ways Okay Mick, what type of man fakes his own death and then arrives at his own funeral by helicopter? Yeah, I love this man and the reason I like this one is because it reminds me of a fantastic Tobias Wolfe short story about a guy who uh, rings in his own death. 
so that the obituary will be there because he wants to see how exactly people react, including his wife. In this instance, it was a Belgian man who faked his own death and turned up to the funeral in a helicopter to the shock of his loved ones. He basically did it because it was a prank to teach members of his family a lesson about the importance of staying in touch with one another. Quite obviously, he felt they weren't staying in touch with him enough. And when you Maybe it was something to do with his personality and character. <laughs> If you're the type that you're going to go to those kind of extremes, maybe they're giving him a wide berth. So just in case any readers really want to actually go and kill this man themselves, he did tell his wife and children about this prank. Um, but he didn't tell the extended members of his family because they weren't in they they were the ones he wanted to teach the lesson to because they weren't inviting him to things. And I think we're all pretty clear why he wasn't being yeah. invited to things. <laughs> Now that you've revealed yourself, Sinead, to be a fan of reality television, how much sympathy would you have for the Shelburne manager, Damien Duff, who said he was shocked and saddened that his reserve goalkeeper has chosen a villa in Mallorca on Love Island full of beautiful single women over Damien Duff himself, the staff and players? I love Damien Duff. He's so good for a good quote, isn't he? Uh, I actually... I, I have watched Below Deck but I've actually never watched Love Island but I am uh, have got good authority that is we believe you it is excellent uh, but goalkeeper he was the reserve goalkeeper for uh, Damien Duff's Shelver and goal, Scott van der Sluis uh, he's not going to be back um, because he's taking his sojourn and, and bringing it to, to the Love Island island uh, the villas in Mallorca um, and he said it was an opportunity he couldn't turn down and you know he'd been doing football for a long time and he wanted to you know take a different direction and uh, Damien Duff as well as laughing he said look you know he's building something serious here and, and he won't be back but I think it sounds like it was a mutual agreement I think the, the football career probably had reached the end of the line and now I, he has I, to figure I, out I, what else to do with life I, I think Duff I think he's growing into a great character altogether not that that matters he's actually very good football manager as well but remember when he was a player all he was known for was for sleeping he was a great <laughs> man he used to sleep morning noon and night but he's comes he's some great dry wit like and he even makes the point to saying that it's good for him as he doesn't switch off because all they do is spend hours on end on the laptop on Shelburne and League of Ireland um, and that when he this will be the first reality sh- TV show he's watched in 25 years because your man is on it like you know I mean he, he definitely has some great uh, a great bit of humour thrown into the, the, the his football could, career Yeah we could uh, I think pitch a reality TV show about managers throw Ronald O'Gara in there Damien Duff yeah, uh, yeah, you, could, yeah. you, you could do a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a good off season uh, pilot with all them. Jack O'Connor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, we leave it there. Mick Clifford and Sinead O'Carroll, thank you both very much for joining us for the week trending here on The Last Word in Today FM. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.